Sportsbook. Welcome to the Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets beat the Memphis Grizzlies on national TV. 105-91. You are looking at the new Western Conference leaders, the Denver Nuggets, who have somehow, someway, Despite all of the defensive issues, despite the injuries, despite kind of having guys in and out of the lineup, the effort wasn't perfect all the time, they've somehow managed to make this work. And you love to see it because even though parity is still very much abound in the NBA right now, I'm going to go over the standings in the third segment here real quick, but it does seem to me like being at the top of things. And making sure you're taking care of business in situations where the other team, even if they're a good team, isn't playing their best, that is what great teams do. The Nuggets played like a great team tonight. They did not have a perfect shooting night. They did not have perfect execution, but they hustled, they stuck to their game plan, and they allowed a combined 34 points in the first and the third quarters. The middle of the game, kind of how they normally are, a little bit lax, allowed 26 points in the second, 31 in the third, so 57 combined in the middle two quarters, but only 34 in the other two? That is nuts. That is an insane number. Was it aided by some, I think, I think one-sided calls in the beginning of the game? Maybe. Was it aided by a really horrible shooting night from the Memphis Grizzlies tonight? Absolutely. But Denver's going to take what it can get. This was the 26th, 27th ranked defense heading into the night. They are now ranked 24th, making progress, moving in the right direction. And that is exactly what you want to see from this team. This game is exactly what I've been talking about, about building championship habits. This is one of those that you're going to look back at and say, okay, you have a test. This is where you're supposed to Bring your A game. You are supposed to rise to the occasion. And the Nuggets absolutely did. And they did it on the defensive end. The offense kind of struggled. Let's be honest. It wasn't perfect. It could have been better. They went only 60% at the free throw line. It certainly could have been better there. But overall, just a really fantastic performance from your Denver Nuggets. One that fans should be proud of. We'll go over the starters in the first segment, the bench in the second segment, and then we're going to talk about the nitpicking that I've been doing in the third segment and how it's still important, despite the fact that they have now taken the lead in the Western Conference. But first, got to start with the big fella, Nikola Jokic. A stat that only Larry Bird and Magic Johnson have ever achieved was achieved by Nikola Jokic tonight. It's not necessarily a big number. It's a a unique number, to be clear. Nikola Jokic is one of three players to to get exactly 13 points, 13 rebounds, and 13 assists in a game, joining Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. It's a very weird, very unique thing, and I think it underscores Jokic perfectly. It underscores just who he is as a player, what he's trying to do, what the Nuggets can accomplish when they are at their best. Because even if the shooting wasn't perfect 
from the Nuggets tonight, even if there were a few more turnovers than there probably should have been. This is the vision that I think Jokic has in how you want to play basketball. He only scores 13 points, probably should have shot a little bit better from uh, from the field, and missed his only free throw attempt, which was, once again, adorned by MVP chance. And of course, he's going to miss that. It's almost purposeful at this point. And so it's 13 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. That's the way that Jokic wants to play. He wants to get others involved. He wants to make sure that everybody on the team is playing the right way and, and getting their own fair share, their shine. And he was able to do that. With the way that Denver started this game, they blitzed Memphis out to a 35-14 to 14 lead after the first quarter alone. You get that flexibility to be able to play the way that you want to play. Now, there are times that Jokic will probably have to take more shots going forward where he's going to have to assert his dominance as a scorer a little bit more. But when you're going up against Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, that's a really strong interior. It's a really strong group when it comes to making life difficult for Jokic, especially the way that Jackson played tonight. He was fantastic, just absolutely killer. And Adams played one of his best defensive games against Jokic that I think I've seen him play. So those guys were up for it, for sure. Did it help that they didn't have to worry about the spacing as much? Probably. But Jokic was still in his bag, and some of the passes that he was making were just obscene. Uh, A nice transition pass, a bounce pass up to Aaron Gordon to draw a foul and one on a dunk over Jaron Jackson Jr. He had a nice cutting pass over his shoulder uh, where he's in the post, gets a cutter over his shoulder, throws the, the ball over his shoulder to avoid the double team and gets a slam, perfectly manipulated Jaron Jackson into helping off of Jeff Green, who then got a slam of his own. But the pass of the night for him had to be the between the legs assist, where he caught the ball. He was on the weak side. And when the ball was reversed to him, it was supposed to go to Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown is the man at the top of the, he's at the slot, basically. That's where he likes to, where they like to run that action. And he's at the slot. Jokic is supposed to be at the elbow. Jokic comes out a little bit further to receive a pass and kind of serve as an outlet for that while uh, Bruce Brown is being denied the ball. And then Bruce Brown cuts back door. And rather than Jokic turning and firing that pass and taking more time, he immediately catches it and puts the ball between his legs. And he actually led the pass. It wasn't just a right between the legs kind of pass. He actually angled the pass in front of Bruce Brown so that it could lead him a little bit and get him to a position where he could attack the rim. And Bruce Brown finished with the dunk. He looked great doing so. It's just one of those things where Jokic just finds different ways to be creative, to be an artist, to be one of the best to ever do it. And this was a quiet level of dominance from him. But make no mistake about it, he dominated the game. There was a stretch in the third quarter when he was kind of uh, when when the team was kind of faltering a little bit, Malone was on the verge of calling a timeout. The game got down to as close as eight, I'm pretty sure. And then Jokic takes over. Gets a basket, gets an assist, hits a three. 
and just takes over the game in the way that only he can, where he forces a timeout by the opposition, even though that they were on the verge of making the Nuggets break down. That's what MVPs do. That's what elite, elite players do. And Jokic just deserves a lot of credit for this one. Aaron Gordon also deserves a lot of credit. 24 points, 9 of 16 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 7 rebounds, including 4 offensive rebounds. He was physical on the interior against Jaron Jackson, who was playing uh, playing him tough. He was defending really, really well, Jaron Jackson was. He had 3 steals and 5 blocks in just 22 minutes, did Jaron Jackson. But he also had 5 fouls, and one of the reasons for that was Gordon just attacking and being physical and challenging Jaron Jackson. And one of the reasons why Aaron Gordon had four offensive rebounds was because he got blocked by Jackson at the rim. And when you get your own offensive rebound and then dunk it over the guy, it just shows a level of physicality and intensity that I don't really think Aaron Gordon has ever really played with before. He's had moments where he was trying to be a physical beast. I'm sure he had it in college too, in high school against other like inferior competition. But to be able to do this against grown men, let alone the defensive player of the year candidate that Jaron Jackson is, he's leading the NBA in blocks and for good reason. Just a really, really impressive performance from AG. Cutting off ball, hitting a, hitting a key three, five of seven from the free throw line, four assists, two steals, one block. Plus 22, he tied with Bruce Brown for the team lead at plus minus, was just awesome and found ways to be impactful that just were very, very important for Denver. So AG gets a lot of credit here too. Christian Brown. Christian Brown started in place of Jamal Murray tonight. There's a little bit of Ewing theory here where Denver – With the way that Jamal Murray has been playing of late, it's not really a surprise that they get a little bit of a boost, given that Jamal hasn't been up to snuff. He just hasn't been the level of player of late, basically ever since he hit that three against Portland and then had the subsequent, I think, 30-point game against Utah. In these last few games, he just hasn't been fantastic, and Christian Brown in his place gets an opportunity. And you love to see that from Michael Malone. Michael Malone trusts Christian Brown in this situation, not necessarily sure you want to start Bones, not necessarily sure you want to start Ish. So Denver goes point guardless, and they play Bruce Brown at point guard. Obviously, Jokic is going to be the main distributor, and he was very good at that tonight. But it gives you flexibility with your lineup where you can play another defender. And Christian Brown is probably Denver's best perimeter defender right now. The way that he is playing, the way that he is locking in. And Malone gave him a big test tonight. He wasn't always defending John Morant, but he found himself on John Morant several times. And Christian Brown did not blink. He did not flinch in the face of adversity, where John Morant is flying at him, doing all the crazy John Morant things that he does. John finished with 35 points and 10 assists in 38 minutes. was just absolutely awesome tonight except when Denver prevented him from being awesome. They had seven turnovers forced. John missed 14 shots. It was 12 of 26, but uh, still missed 14 shots. And a lot of those misses and empty possessions 
were as a result of Christian Brown. The way that he defended, the way that he moved, rotating on the weak side, or defending on the strong side and being in one-on-one coverage. Christian Brown has such great feet, he's so fluid, he moves so well, and his contests were very, very good. Sometimes Jaw's just going to hit crazy shots because he's a crazy, crazy player. But Christian Brown did as well as any rookie could really be expected to do against a guy like John Morant. Christian Brown also gets 13 points on 5 of 11 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3-point range, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block, blocked John Morant at the rim, got a steal. I don't remember where the steal was, but had a dunk in transition was just a part of the working machine that Denver had put together. And there's a reason why the Grizzlies scored 91 points tonight. They did shoot poorly. That's probably the most important thing. But Christian Brown was a part of the machine where Denver was able to switch and move and guard and do a lot of amazing things around Jokic, where you can basically switch one through four with Bruce Brown KCP, Christian Brown, and Aaron Gordon. And you can do a little bit of that with Jamal. But with Christian Brown, he's got so much more energy right now than I think Jamal does. And so it makes sense to match a team that's as high of energy and amped as Memphis is. You you, you bring Christian Brown out there and he makes some plays. So it was very, very impressive stuff. Michael Malone deserves credit for trusting his rookie. And Christian Brown deserves credit for making his first start a win. It's exactly what you want. 29 minutes, by the way. Bruce Brown, 35 minutes, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. Had a nice block on John Morant that I thought was a foul, but didn't get called, so who cares? Plus 22 tonight. 6 of 15. I think that he probably still needs to eradicate the floater that he has. He's so much better when he just drives hard to the rim, I would, I think that he's probably going to end up being at his best when he learns how to do the two, like the two dribble pull up, like a KCP, where he's under control. Teams are expecting him to drive, and then you pull up and you stay away from the bulk of the defense. Where sometimes you're trying to do the floater instead, but I, I just didn't see a lot of success with his floater tonight. So maybe that changes. Maybe I'm crazy and he's actually really good at the floater and I just caught some of the misses, but still feels like he is hit or miss on the jumper. Definitely trending down after he had a nice game last game, but most of these last few games have not been great three-point shooting games for him. So hopefully he can turn the efficiency around a little bit, but you can't argue with plus 22. Like, come on now. And then finally, KCP. 5 of 11, 2 of 4 from 3. Seven rebounds tonight for KCP. That's kind of an abnormal number. Not necessarily something that I think Nuggets fans really expect, but 12 points, 38 minutes. KCP staggered with the bench a little bit tonight. Not all the time, but definitely in one of those situations where you need a defender out there, you need a floor spacer out there. I think that helped the bench. I do bench wasn't perfect, and there are still some things that we're going to talk about in this next segment, but KCP did some good things with that unit. And when he gets to that uh when he gets to that two dribble pull up, he's just in such control with that. 
as long as you don't see Jaron Jackson flying at you and he got spooked on one of those. But if he's open, he's going to make that more often than not. That's for sure. And two of four from three, get back on track there, doing some great stuff. Plus 17 from KCP, a part of Denver's strong defensive unit where he's switching, whether it's on Dylan Brooks or Jaron Jackson or John Morant or John Conchar, Xavier Williams, or Zaire Williams, excuse me. Tyus Jones played a lot. Didn't matter. KCP was in the right position the vast majority of the time. And sometimes that's all that matters against a team like Memphis. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports, who are bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium or in the arena to enjoy your sports this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Folks, we're back. Big Axon Row, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. You do not know when I'm recording this podcast, and you do not want to know when I'm recording this podcast. Just know it's uh, I'm still up, and I was the last one out of the media room today writing my recap of the game. So honestly, if you are listening to this podcast, go click on that recap. That would mean the world to me. I love to see when those get clicks, when people are interested in my writing as much as they are in the podcasting. I know that I've definitely put in a little bit more focus on the podcast as of late, but I do still write. I do still do a lot of things on that side of the website. So make sure to go check it out, milehighsports.com. All right, let's move to the bench here. Not as positive with the bench as it was with the starters, but honestly, not a bad night. Not a bad night from the bench. Because when you are only are kind of like ranging from that neutral to just slightly negative, it's not bad. Because the starters, specifically Jokic, are generally going to prop everything else up. Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown really spent most of the time with the starters specifically. So they have the positive plus minuses. Jokic carried over and had a little bit lesser of a positive plus minus tonight because he carried some of the bench units a little bit, those didn't go so well. But when it was Zeke Naji on the court tonight, I had to look this up and make sure. When the Nuggets had Zeke Naji on the floor, they allowed a 70.8 defensive rating. Now that's not sustainable. 70.8 is crazy. The uh, Grizzlies clearly missed some shots that they are probably going to hit. This is not me saying Oh yeah, look, Zeke is finally in the lineup and now the Nuggets are a really good defense. Who knew? That's crazy. But it is an encouraging first step. I want to focus on Zeke here real quick before we get into the rest of it. Very low minutes, very low stat count for Zeke. Uh, Most importantly here, only played 11 minutes. And one of the reasons for that was he tweaked his ankle 
at the end of his second stint. And did come back in and play another couple minutes at the end of garbage time, so it clearly wasn't bothering him that badly. But it's too bad that every time he sort of gains some momentum here, it doesn't necessarily stick. I do think that with the way that he has played, or not not played, uh, let me let me start again. Zeke played really well in the first half. He played a good half against Brandon Clark, who had 10 points on four of seven and had five rebounds himself. But Brandon Clark was a minus 10 in his minutes. Zeke was a plus one. And the primary reason for that was because of the way that Denver played defense. And with Zeke up at the level, whether he was facing off against Tyus Jones at the at the point of attack or whether it was John Morant, it's, it felt like Denver was doing some good things defensively, and they didn't allow that many open shots. It was more so uh, just a, a very strong rotational game for Denver's defense. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot from a defensive playmaking standpoint with that bench. Like KCP had a steal. I'm not sure even sure if it was while he was out there. Jeff Green had a couple steals on a block. Bones Highland had a steal. None of the other guys had like a bunch of plays on the defensive end, but they more just had stops in general. And Zeke was a part of that where he was on the ball a lot of the time, rotating up there, getting back in uh, his pick and roll coverage. And Denver didn't really give up a lot while they were out there, while the bench was out there. That's progress. It's not something that we've been able to say a lot of. Like 70.8 is is just a crazy number to allow for a defensive rating. And so it's not sustainable. I'm not trying to make it a big deal, but it shows that there is capability while Zeke is at center. One of the reasons why I think he did well was because when you have Jeff Green and Vlako Chanchar out there, Jeff Green provided a little bit more size and rotation. Uh, Jeff Green actually had a really nice, like I said, he had two steals and a block. I remember one of the steals where he baited the point guard. I don't remember if it was Ja or Tyus Jones, but he baited the point guard into thinking that he was going to rotate over and then duck back out to the corner. The Grizzlies had trouble with that, where KCP, that's actually what it was. KCP got his steal by sinking to the corner pass, where Denver was kind of just locked in on that particular aspect of Memphis's game plan. And those guys were able to read that pass when they were at the top of the key or on the right elbow, trying to make the pass to the left corner. So it's interesting to see the two veterans kind of locked in on that and found ways to impact the game defensively that way. But Denver didn't allow much at the paint. They didn't allow much from three. They didn't allow much from the free throw line. Jeff Green was a part of that. Deserved some credit. Got a little bit tired. Got a little bit foul happy uh, towards the end of his stint. But he did finish the game with the starters and had some really nice dunks. The one play that you got to like go bananas for is the dunk that he had in the first half. First play of the second quarter, Denver gets a stop. Transition pass. Bones passes it up to Jeff Green, and he just rocks the rim over Santi Aldama. Santi just was deceased at that point, did not function for the rest of time. Uh, It was a rim rocker of a dunk from Jeff Green, who got up, used Santi Aldama to get up even higher based off of his body, and just crammed it. One of those dunks that, like, that's going to be 
immortalized in terms of the up above 35 guys. Like, how many players have ever been able to get up that high at that age? It's LeBron, it's Vince Carter, and MJ maybe, and Jeff Green? Like, is that who we're talking about? It's a crazy list, but somebody's going to have to give that list to me, uh, give their own list to me of of above 35-year-olds who play that way. It's just crazy. Um, so Jeff Green deserves credit, missed his threes tonight, missed his free throws tonight, but he was attacking the rim, very impactful. Uh, plus one was the reason why he was a plus one, was out there with the starters while they were doing their thing. But Denver, with Gordon out there, with Jeff Green out there, and Jokic, three players that are very, very good at attacking gaps in a defense and really attacking the rim. And Denver won the game at the end because of that. Because Jeff Green was out there, I know a lot of people wanted Christian Brown out there. To be honest, I thought he deserved to be out there and thought that would be cool to have. But Jeff Green, you give him credit too. Like, you deserve that. He also took two charges, got the defensive player of the game chain from that and took two charges. I'm pretty sure he's the league or the team leader in charges taken now, which it is not a high bar. Denver does not take a lot of charges as a team, but still good. Um. Vlaco Chanchar, one of the reasons why Denver isn't that bad of a rebounding team with Zeke Naji at center is because when you play a guy like Vlaco at the three, as opposed to a smaller player, let's say it's Christian Brown, let's say it's uh, rotating KCP, Bruce Brown, and you're playing Murray and Bones, something like that. You're playing Vlaco and he gets seven rebounds, including two offensive. So you get seven rebounds from your bench. Or from your your bench three, even though Zeke Naji gets two and Jeff Green gets two, Denver didn't really struggle on the on the offensive glass or defensive glass. They only allowed seven offensive rebounds for the Memphis Grizzlies the entire night, and Memphis didn't shoot that well. They're a great offensive rebounding team, and Stephen Adams got four of them. Brandon Clark got two. Tyus Jones got one. I'm sure that that was on a long rebound, but that was it. That's all it was. So Denver deserves a lot of credit for winning the rebounding battle. And the bench deserves a lot of credit for that too. And I continue to maintain that with Zeke out there, sometimes it's just got to be a gang rebound kind of thing. Like you don't necessarily, like Zeke is good at boxing out. That's one of the things that he actually does really well is he's trained to box out well. He is not an athlete where you have him springing up over everybody and grabbing rebounds and because he's so big. Like he's not that kind of dude, but he's a good box out guy. And the team's defensive rebounding rate while he's out there isn't that bad. It's just not, even when he's at center. So I tend to think that it can work for that reason, but need more data in order to figure that out for sure. KCP was the primary rotation guy with the second unit. Didn't really do that much. It was mostly Bones who was out there. But I do want to go over what Bones did tonight. Not a fan. Just, I continue to be a little bit disappointed in the way that Bones is handling his bench point guard role. I understand that he's going to lead the bench in shots. I understand that there's a lot of opportunities for like just getting a shot up when you're with the bench. And sometimes you have to hunt for those shots. 
Bones put up 15 shots in 15 minutes. And the rest of the bench combined for nine. Like, it doesn't seem to me like he is involving the rest of the group that well. Vlaco hit a three. Jeff Green was attacking the rim extremely well. Bones' only assist tonight was to Jeff Green in transition. But it doesn't seem to me like Bones is doing his job as a facilitator in the half court, trying to get the offense going in the right direction. Now, Memphis is a really good defense. I do want to make that clear. They put Dylan Brooks on him in the second half, and Dylan Brooks was very physical and made his life difficult. However, Bones is growing up. He is at that point now where it's okay to be critical. And this is, I think, a fourth or fifth straight game where he's had a suboptimal field goal percentage, hasn't really involved himself on the rest of the game. Defense still not where it needs to be with him. But if he was passing and if he was creating shot opportunities for other people, it might be a little bit different. Haven't seen as much of that with him. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe if Denver makes more shots tonight, then Bones gets more assists. I'll have to go check the um, assist opportunities created after this game. But it sort of feels to me like Bones is still struggling with that aspect of things. And maybe he just needs a better passer. Maybe he just needs a better player to run a two-man game with. But he should be putting up at least three assists a game. And the assist number, I think, is crawling a little bit lower and lower lately. And that's got to go in the other direction. Denver got into garbage time. Davon Reed had a couple minutes. Ish Smith had a couple minutes. DeAndre Jordan got a DNP. This was not a DeAndre Jordan matchup, especially when Jaron Jackson was staggering with the second unit for Memphis. That's a floor spacing five. I guess you could have put DeAndre on Brandon Clark, but he would have just parked himself under the rim and Brandon Clark would have hit floaters like he did over Jokic towards the end of the game. So I'm not surprised that DeAndre Jordan didn't get an opportunity. I'm curious to see what Denver does in this next game, but if they play... Well, if they're going to play Portland, Portland has Drew Eubanks and Trendon Watford and guys like that. So that could be a game where Zeke still plays and he could still be pretty good in a situation like that. So I'm curious to see what Denver decides to do. Overall, great game. Denver deserves a ton of credit. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about why nitpicking is still okay. We'll be right back. Back at it, pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up quick, quickly by talking about nitpicking and why I've done it, why I think it's still important to do so. But first, the Nuggets are officially leading the Western Conference right now. They are tied with Memphis for the lead in record, but because they just beat Memphis, Denver has the head-to-head tiebreaker. So at 19 and 11, the Nuggets are first in the Western Conference playoff picture. That's pretty impressive. Given everything that they've gone through, the injuries that they've faced so far, Murray coming back, this was always going to be the fear at the beginning of the season where 
Denver's still trying to figure out who they are and what they can do. And yet they're still 19 and 11. They are still at the top of the West. Memphis is a 2, 19 and 11, as I said. New Orleans, they are 18 and 12. They are at third. Fourth is the Phoenix Suns at 19 and 13. They just lost to the Washington Wizards. Probably not a game that they should have lost, but they did. They didn't have Devin Booker for that one, so that's an important caveat. The Clippers are 18 and 14. They still continue to battle on their defenses carrying them in the games that they don't have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but they're still making that work. Sacramento, sixth in the conference at 16 and 13. They are two and a half games back of Denver. Portland is 17 and 14, also two and a half games back, but have played a couple extra games. So interesting to see where the playoff picture is kind of leveled out here. It's still going to change. I have no doubt about that. The Warriors were rolling before Steph Curry hurt him, got hurt, and it will be out for another month. So Golden State's going to have trouble kind of staying afloat. Utah, I think, is where they are supposed to be. Minnesota has won three in a row. They are going to keep pushing forward. Dallas, not sure about Dallas. Like they just, they seem to me like a team that's good analytically, but isn't necessarily an actually good team. Kind of like what Denver was last year. So Denver, they've got a little bit of wiggle room right now, even though like they're only two games away from the fifth seed. They've got some wiggle room between them and the rest of the teams in the play-in, the rest of the teams kind of in the bottom tier of the Western Conference. Denver separated themselves a little bit, which is great. Their strong defense tonight has pushed them up to 24th in defensive rating. They're out of the top five. That's amazing. I didn't think that they would, at least this soon. But you always knew, and I always knew, that Denver was capable of performances like this. That most of the issues that were concerning them were, I think, effort-related, focus-related, not talent-related, not skill-level-related. They're one of those teams that if they put in the effort, if they lock in, if they are committed to each other, then there's no doubt that they can put up more sub-100-point performances allowed. I believe in that. No, what their ceiling actually is remains to be seen. How often can they do that? Can they do that consistently against teams like Memphis? Can they do that against Golden State? I don't know. But I did get some criticism. Not a ton, because I think most people are kind of in my in my uh, lane on this. That for complaining about the defense, for acting like the sky is falling or things like that, that and wake wake me up in March, wake me up in April. If, if Denver's still really concerning from a defensive standpoint, then they'll be concerned then. But for now, it's still so early in the season. And while I do agree with that, while I understand it, I believe that it is okay to nitpick what's going on. It is okay to be concerned about just how invested and how uh, physical and, and willing to do the things that Denver's supposed to do. I think it's important to establish those traits early. You don't have to do it all the time. I wouldn't ever ask for it all the time, especially a team like Denver that can win 
with just offense half the time. There's no doubt about that. But champions, they don't act how Denver acted the first 29 games of the season, where your effort just waxes and wanes. You do not take advantage of the opportunities presented to yourself. You're not hungry in any way. You're just trying to get through it. I understand why. I understand what's going on and and the reasoning behind it. But I still think that Denver should be trying to play better defense in general. Tonight was a great step in that direction. This is how a championship contender acts. When you don't, when you're facing a team that you know that they, like you've got a good game plan on them, clearly Denver had a good scout. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do against a team like Memphis, how to treat it. Christian Brown was playing great defense. Uh, KCP was hopping in passing lanes. Bruce Brown getting some blocks. There's a lot of good stuff to like about Denver's game plan and how they approach this one. Those are the kinds of championship habits that you want to see built. And you don't have to do it every time. But this was kind of that measuring stick game. This was kind of your first test. One of those ones where, okay, you've had it really easy over the course of these first few games of the season, first couple months of the season, and now it's time to really see who you are. This stretch that I talked about in the last podcast, it's one of those things where you know what you're going to get from those other teams. They're going to try to win those games. They are going to try to get good playoff positioning most of the time. How is Denver going to respond? Denver aced the first test tonight. They showed some urgency. They showed some desire to get dirty, to do the little things, to make the extra play, to make the extra rotation. And their communication, as said by Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Michael Malone tonight, apparently their communication was much better, which that shows to me that you are taking this more seriously. And that's exciting. Now, should it take a TNT game against the other best team in the conference? Probably not. They should have some other opportunities, but Denver's going to get those opportunities going forward here. My belief is that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And Denver has to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That urgency that you're supposed to feel, that desire to improve, to perfect, to make sure that you are at your best. That is what elite playoff teams do. That's what teams with goals and aspirations do. Because the Nuggets have to know that the effort that they've been giving over the course of the first couple of months hasn't been championship caliber. They know that. Like I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. But I do think that if they are capable of performances like this, then I am going to start expecting them at least a little bit more frequently. And to be honest, they're going to need them. You're going to need to be locked in defensively against a lot of the upcoming competition. Think about who the Nuggets have coming in over these next two games. Two days from now, you get two days off. Friday, December 23rd, you get Portland. They have the sixth best offensive rating on cleaning the glass. And against the Nuggets in each of their last two games, the Blazers have been killing it. Just absolutely dominant on the offensive end. Now, in one of those games, Denver's offense kind of struggled. In the other, 
they matched pace and they were great. We'll see what Portland can do on the road as opposed to in front of their home fans. But they're the sixth best offense on cleaning the glass right now. That is a big test. A team that has had Denver's number offensively over the course of these last few years. Can Denver match with what they do? I don't know. And then you get Phoenix on Christmas Day. They're the third best offensive rating on cleaning the glass. Chris Paul is back. Devin Booker, he's out right now, but I suspect that he will be back before Christmas. And anytime you have those two with DeAndre with DeAndre Ayton, excuse me, DeAndre Ayton rolling to the rim, Mikhail Bridges doing his thing in the middle, and then you've got Campaign on the perimeter as the backup point guard doing his thing. There's reason to believe that the Suns couldn't just roast the Nuggets on the defensive end. So is Denver going to rise to the occasion? Are the Nuggets going to be able to find that gear? I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I don't know if this was a one-off performance against Memphis, where Memphis just shot the shot the hell out of the ball and, and were horrible. Or if this was something of things to come, where you have players that are in full belief of what they need to do, that understand the level that they need to achieve, and are willing to go the extra mile in order to do it. If that is the version of the Nuggets that we're getting now, then man oh man, got a lot to be excited about. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. The Nuggets are off tomorrow, which means I am off tomorrow for sure. Uh, going to take some time. Going to probably do some gift wrapping, which should be fun. Then they will have practice on Thursday. Maybe they will, actually. Maybe they won't. Uh, we are going to get this massive winter storm in, so that should be extremely cold. Hopefully, I can just stay inside and drink some hot chocolate. I hope everybody else can do the same. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I'll talk to you guys very soon.